I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Away for another Vaughan boundary. <laughs> well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffner. He often falls over, and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vaughan and Tuffos Cricket Club podcast, brought to you by the Telegraph. Ben Wright, Michael Vaughan, and Phil Tufnell back with you for the duration of England's tour to Pakistan. And to celebrate our return, we have gone right to the very top of English cricket for our guest today, the head coach of the men's Test team, Brendan McCullough. Three of us caught up with him shortly before England departed for Pakistan to talk about his whirlwind start in charge of the Red Bull side and how he is preparing for his first tour in charge. As well as Test Cricket, I'll be asking Mike and Phil for their reflections on England's T20 World Cup win a few weeks ago and the recent big news about the 100. Mike, Phil, uh, while we've been away, England have become T20 world champions. How incredible an achievement is it to hold the, the 50 over and the T20 Cups at the same time? Yeah, welcome. Welcome back, Phil. Welcome back, Ben. It's been a while. What have you been doing, Phil? Oh, not too much, mate. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, messing about, looking forward to Christmas. Um, yeah, it's all good, my end. Can I ask a question about Christmas? Have you got your decorations up yet? Bearing in mind we're not into December, because I'll just let you know, yes. the decorations at the Vaughan House have been up for 10 days. <laughs> You've gone early. <laughs> 10 I, days already. i tell you what I fancy, though. That, uh, so, so how do you decide when to put them up? Yeah, well, I'm not sure. They're not quite up at the moment, but a friend of mine has got, like, a fantastic tree that you just take out of a box and it just sort of springs into life, fully decorated, fully lit. It's an absolute cracker. It's brilliant. I'm going to get one of them. Phil, that's called an artificial one. No, it's... Have you got a real one, Mike? Have you got real tree? No, 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 no. That's why. Honestly, it's it's, it's always. I'm, I'm always thinking about November the twentieth. But this year, just under. I think it was the eighteenth of November. Suddenly, I came back to a house with all these decorations up. Far too early. I mean, you, I'm not going to argue with the uh, the boss of the house, but you know, slightly too early. I would suggest the Vaughan decorations have gone up. Anyway, what what are we chatting about? T20 World Cup, Ben. Very, very, very good point. Uh, the most serious point of the lot. Um, it didn't surprise me. I don't know what you think, Phil, but I just think we're in a 
we're in a, a a kind of generation of England being the best white ball team by by I'm not saying a country mile, but in terms of squad of what they've got, and, and if you look at them winning the T20, no Joffrey Archer, no Johnny Bairstow, Milan was injured. Um, you know, so many kind of fractions in in and around the build up to the tournament, and then they lose to Ireland. You think, oh, geez, this is going to be a tough uh, ask to win from here. And from pretty much losing to Ireland, they just dominated. They just got their mojos. They got their kind of form. They got their kind of flamboyant way of playing. They became a, a very good defending team, but also we know we're good teams that can do they can do it either way. Uh, they've got a magnificent set of white ball players. Uh, the the best in the world by. As I said, just just quite a good distance at the minute. Yeah, I, I think they were the best all-round, well-balanced side, weren't they? And, and and proved that and played under pressure, um, had to get over the line on a couple of occasions and did it. Ben Stokes again. I, I think Ben Stokes plays more shots in test cricket than he does in white ball cricket. He really, he really did play some mature sort of innings um, yeah, best all-round side, best balanced side and uh, could win from sort of like and, and prove that they could win from sort of like any situation. Uh, a great performance and as Mike was saying, looking like the best white ball side out there. And I think also just had that extra gear power-wise. You know, you looked at some of those sides and you just thought to yourself, well, if you get the main guns out, you know, you're going to kind of restrict them to a decent total. They're not going to chase down a total. I think we get with England, you know, you've got the likes of Mo coming in and these guys coming in down the back end. You, you, you can still set a score even if you lose three or four early doors. Yeah, you talk, you talk about the power and the flamboyance, but it was it was that man again, wasn't it? Ben Stokes in the final. Yes, um, with, with an innings that was just really, really measured uh, and showed his value to the side, being able to sort of take him over the line. And it was his first, first T20 international 50 as well which yeah. is kind of a remarkable time to do it I, I actually thought his innings against Sri Lanka in the group stages you know in Sydney where it got a little bit tight on a on a on a, on a used wicket um, I, I thought that was a, a special innings but I don't know what Phil thinks and I'm not degrading any players from the past at all but I've never seen an England player play with so much calmness and coolness and clarity under pressure with the bat in hand you know, you think about the World Cup final in 19, you think about that Headingley innings, uh, now this uh, World Cup final. So he's done it in two World Cup finals. He's won a, a test match single-handedly from a ridiculous position. Uh, I've not seen an England player with the bat in hand look so cool, calculated. I thought against Pakistan, actually, in the final, they were starting to get a flap on. And and, and we must say that I honestly think if Shahin Shah Afridi had stayed fit, I, I thought England were just losing the momentum in those uh, those middle overs, and then suddenly uh, Harry Brook was out, and, and then there was loads of pressure on him, and then he comes on bowls that one ball, it's a dot ball to Moeen Ali, and then they have to bowl Liftigar the off spinner, and it was those five deliveries for me that completely changed the momentum of the game. But it's not taking away anything from England. They deserve to be the champions. They're the best team. Uh, they've had a little bit of fortune in two finals, actually. The final at Lords, there was a little bit that went their way. This final went their way. But I really do believe that you earned the right to have that little bit of fortune. And England have had it in the finals, but some other teams, when they've won cups in the past, they've had it in semi-finals, quarter-finals. Uh, you earn the right to have that little bit of the rub of the green. And, you know, England capitalised. It was that man, Ben Stokes, the best best you've seen under pressure, Phil, with a bat in hand? 
well, I think he's he, he's getting that way, isn't he? Loves a loves a, a crucial moment. Loves that sort of like pressure of being the man to do the job, and as you say, get people over the line. And he seems to be putting himself in those positions where he can do it, doesn't it? There was a sort of a, a, a he didn't quite know his role. I thought a little bit coming into this T20, but I think that they've found that sort of role for him in that sort of mature way of about going about things. And uh, I think he did it brilliantly, yeah. No, I mean, the all-round cricketer. What would you call the role? He's a, he's a closer, right? Well, yeah, but not a, not necessarily yeah. a Finish. finisher. Not a finisher, but a closer, if there's a difference. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, just that guy that you want in the middle, you know, when, when, when the chips are down, and as Mike was saying, that things are starting to get a little bit of a flap on, you want him there. And, uh, and that's what he's done beautifully. And, Mike, as a, as a batsman, can, can you define what it is about how he goes about his innings that allows him to do that? Is he just able to get into the zone better than anybody else? Is it cricketing intelligence? So he's... Uh, his awareness of the situation. What is it? Oh, I think I think it's everything. I think it's um, realizing that you know. I, I think when you're chasing a number that's not huge, you know, I don't think the rate was ever you know so high that he had to panic so, so much. Um, you know, England got off to a, quite a good start. They got you know a, a few early runs, so the kind of rate was never too 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 kind of high for them to worry about I, I just think he has that clarity and I think what he does to the uh, the partner at the other end is, is keep them calm as well you know I think that's a real skill but he also knows he's got the power to hit the boundaries down the back end um you know you, you, you get taught as a kid be there at the end you know just make sure and I tell you it it takes bravery to do what Ben Stokes does because it, the pressure was building and I do think that Iftikar, if you look at that Iftikar, and there was a, a ball that just fell short of Babar Azam at long off, that could easily have gone to hand. He then just chipped one just for six. You know, so those two shots where he got away with one that just dropped short and one just went over the, the line, you know, they're the moments. In, in, in white ball cricket, you, you have to be willing to take risk. You know, it's when you take that high risk and if it comes off for you, you're away. And people like Stokes, once they're away, they're very difficult to stop. But... You know, I will say, I, I thought the teacher, the rain, you know, affected the early parts. But I have to say, uh, you know, the Indian support and the Pakistan support, if, if you oh. take away, oh. if you take away the Indian supporters and the Pakistan supporters, the Aussies weren't watching the Aussies. No. You know, they weren't coming out in the numbers to watch the home team. England had a few expats and a bit of Barmy Army there. But if you took away Pakistan support and Indian support from that World Cup, I don't think there were many people watching. <laughs> you know, w without those two sets of supporters, they brought life, energy. Um, it, actually, when India played Zimbabwe at the MCG in a dead rubber, I think there was 88,000 people there. That was the moment. I'm not, And I've known for years and years that India are a powerhouse. That was the moment, actually. I was watching on the telly and thought... India are, are the powerhouse. You know, they are yeah. the powerhouse of world cricket. When you can get 88,000 people in Melbourne to watch you play Zimbabwe, yeah. remarkable. We have Brendan McCullum on the on the pod. Phil, I, th I think we you've probably got some of the best insight because you obviously spent some time with him when you did your Netflix series. This could go anywhere. When was that filmed? And, and what was he like as a person behind the scenes? Can you give us a sort of... Uh, a feel for for Brendan McCullough, the man. Is he as laid back as he looks? A a absolutely. He is one of the most positive, sort of calm 
but then laid back at the same time, guys. I've met a lot of people who are really positive and up and at them and come on. And, you know, if anything, sometimes it can be a little bit too much, you know what I mean? And sort of like the rah, rah, about it all, you know, you just yeah. sort of go, well, chill out, chill out a little bit. We're doing our best, this, this, this. But he has that great ability of putting you at the ease. When I got, I mean, I've met him a couple of times, but only briefly in the media centre and everything. And he was waiting for me to start this, this series that we were doing. And he was just waiting there. And I sort of come through a little bit nervous and what have you and he's just sitting there he's got a great big smile on his face you know what I mean and he, but he's just sort of it, there's this sort of air of calmness and I've sort of gone hello Brendan mate how are you like that and I've sort of you know gone to shake his hand and he said to me he said shall we have a hug are you a hugger and I went well I don't know but I'll give you a hug like that. And we, we gave each other a little hug sort of thing to sort of, you know, say hi and what have you. And, and it just went from there. And he's just one of those guys um, that you just think everything's going to be all right, if you know what I mean. Sometimes, you know, you're sitting there and you're doing a bit of filming or something. You're going, oh, was that all right? Or, you know, did we say the right thing on everything? But he just seemed to say the right thing at exactly the right time. And it was so easy then to just sort of like form a relationship. We became very good friends when we were over there and just puts everyone at ease, but with a clarity, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? You just knew what he was after, but he didn't sort of like ram it down your throat and he wasn't sort of falling asleep. It was, he's a very, very clever chap at disarming you, but then also getting you fired up at the same time if you know what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think one of his skills, that's one of his skills for sure. And also, I mean, we were going around and talking about his, esp- ex- you know, exploits of what have you, you know, the one force, I think it was 174, the first time he batted in the IPL, the fastest 100, the 300 uh, at Wellington. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly, this chap has done a bit, you know what I mean? And uh, But very humble, but then also, you know, with that little, with that little steel just behind the eyes, looks a little bit like a mafiosi boss, doesn't he? Just sitting there on the balcony, <laughs> with the old shades, something out of the Sopranos. Oh, he certainly does, yeah. Yeah. And we should probably explain for for listeners who haven't seen the series, and they should obviously do so on Netflix. Oh, but it's, great. Uh, it's slightly weird conceit, in fairness, wasn't it? Yeah. Two of you, two ex cricketers, yeah, going around New Zealand playing golf with each other, and. Uh, yeah. Having to do forfeits, basically, if you if you lost. Well, there you go. I mean, not many people would have, would have um, got me to jump out of an aeroplane. Uh, not many people would have got me to do the biggest jump, bungee jump in the Southern Hemisphere. But for some reason, I wanted to do it for Brendan. You know what I mean? I was sitting there going, oh, I don't want to do this. He was going, come on, it's all right. You know what I mean? I sort of went, well, okay, mate. And then, push off I went. So, uh, yeah, a great man-manager. So you were in New Zealand, mm. and I don't think potentially uh, English people might not realise quite what a big deal he is in New Zealand, oh. right? He is, he's uber, uber famous there. Absolutely. I couldn't have picked a, a, a better fella to take me round. I mean, the wineries, <laughs> the restaurants, everywhere we went, um, you know, he was just like, as you say, a, an absolute legend in New Zealand, not only you know, for his cricket, but I think for a lot of other things as well. And the way he sort of represents what New Zealand's about in a funny sort of way, do you know what I mean? And that sort of like, you know, positive, fair play, 
let's go and win. If we win, that's great. And if the other team are better than us, well, they deserve to win that as well. A lot of fair play in there as well. But then also, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, desire and, um, and, and will to win. So we only really do big name interviews on this podcast, but today we've got one of the biggest because we're joined by the head coach of the England Test team, Brendan McCullum. Brendan, thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. Um, you're joining us from the England training camp in the UAE before you head off to, to Pakistan. Today was supposed to be the third day of the warm-up game between England and the England Lions, a sort of probables versus possibles match. Um, there were over 900 runs in the first two days, which sounds very McCullum-esque. But today you decided to cancel the match and you went off and played golf instead. Does that give us a, a bit of insight into the your style of coaching? Look, to be honest, um, the guys got out of the last two days more than we could have ever dreamed of in, in three days. The facilities were amazing. The the application and the attitude and, and the energy that was put in by not just us as well from an England point of view, but also the Lions was was fabulous, you know. I think our, our batters got a lot of time in the middle in a competitive situation against some world-class bowling, um, and our bowlers got um, miles on their legs, which is really what you're after. Um, you know, the fielding was, was fantastic as well. So when it sort of boils down, we, we felt there was a couple of – some areas where we could try and get some real volume into some of our batters this morning, which um, would be of more benefit than – trying to potentially play what would be kind of like a fourth test match. So, so yeah, we we got it done and, and we we're really pleased. And, you know, I think everyone was, was really happy. The fact we got to play golf this afternoon was a bit of a bonus. But, you know, it's, um, from our point of view, fun's quite an important element of what we're trying to, trying to achieve as well. And we got to add a bit of that to it. Where have you been all my life? Where have you been all my life? Why weren't there coaches around and people running cricket teams like you when I was playing? Days off for golf. Is that a, is that a real sort of specific thing that you're trying to bring into the boys just to try to, you know, once you're done, you're done and, you know, let's go out and enjoy each other's company and, and get what we need and then go and have some fun and play like that on the field? Because last summer, mate, was just... It was it, it was something to behold the way the guys played. You know, what was it? Four out of five chases, full crowds. You know, on the fifth days and everything. It was sensational stuff, mate. Well, tough as I reckon, you know, you know how I kind of roll first and foremost. Um, and you know, I think along with the skipper, um, who is very much of the same kind of ilk, um, we want the guys to enjoy themselves. You know, there's yes. the game is so hard, right? Like we all know how difficult the game is and and there's so many demands on us and and you know we're judged by our results but ultimately we wanna we wanna make sure that we leave leave an impression not just on the game but leave an impression on ourselves as well for this this period of time in our lives. We want to have a great time and, and sort of go out there and try and achieve some special moments. So from our point of view we look at it and we say what do we need to be at our absolute best to be able to perform in Pakistan. Um, yeah. I think the last week or so has been a lot about building camaraderie amongst the group. Um, one le- one learning that, well, one lesson, sorry, we had from earlier on in, in the year was that because now the team's very separate when you look at um, how things work uh, amongst the T20 one day and 
and test set up is that um, you know a lot of our guys they go off and they do uh, their own thing or they play for their counties or or they're off um, you know playing for various teams throughout throughout the calendar year. So if we're trying to bring a camaraderie to ask these guys to do certain things which might test their their uh, or push the boundaries so to speak, then we need to get them together earlier. We need to bring bring them together a little bit earlier and, and a lot of that is not to do with cricket, but it's about breaking down some of those barriers and spending time socially and whether that's golf or at the pool or uh, there's many different things that you can do to, to try and force and force the boys together to spend time together and break down some of those barriers. And and once that's once that's done, you spend a couple of days together and then you start putting the putting the graft in and, and ticking off some of the the um, skill aspect of it. But that, that's the idea. I, I don't know if it's going to work toughest, to be honest, but that's kind of the idea. I just look at it from a – well, I look at it like when I used to play, what would I like of, as a player? <laughs> so, and that's what the skip keeps saying was, I think I think the boys are like this. So hence why we try a few of these things and we'll see where we land. Yeah. I, I, just quickly talking about Pakistan, you brought in the new young leggy, Ahmed. Uh, thoughts on him? He, he, he looks a talent. Yeah, it was a really interesting one, one that toughest because, you know, you look at him in, in isolation and that selection, it looks a little bit rogue. But when you sort of think about the fact that we've been, well, not so much me because I've only been in the job, you know, a couple of minutes, but everyone else has been scouting him for uh, for a long period of time and, and saying he's a talent which is worth sort of looking at. Um, we felt that he's someone that might benefit from the environment that we've got at the moment. We've got a lot of senior players, a lot of guys who who will look after him in the setup as well. And we know that he's not the finished product. You know, he's, he's a long way away from that. But he's got something which is pretty kind of special. And, and now it's up to us, to be honest. It's up to the senior players. It's up to the skipper. It's up to myself. It's up to all the coaches to now try and accelerate the process to get the best out of of Rayhan. Um he is a talent which is which is pretty exciting. Um but we'll have to we'll have to pers- persevere through the next little while to find out um if we uh, if we can get the best out of him. But you know I think it's I think it's great. I mean when was the last time that English cricket or you know <laughs> they invested in an eighteen year old kid and said, you know what, we think you've got something. Let's come along for the ride and we'll see if we can we see if we can find it. What what is he like as a character? I, I see him as a player. I see his legs spin. He can whack a ball as well. He looks a real character on the field. What's he like off the field? Well, I don't really know, to be honest, Vaughn. caught up with him this morning. He was downstairs and he was doing a skinfold test or something, which I didn't really know too much about, but he was down there doing those. And, and I said, ah, oh, bugger that. Let's go and have a bit of breakfast instead. Um, and, uh, and anyway, we're sitting there at breakfast and I said, what are you into outside of cricket? He said, cricket. I said, well, what are your passions? Like, what are the things which really drive you? And he said, cricket. I said, what about school? You know, what, what did you do at school? And he said, well, I left school early because they just want to tell me what to do. And all I want to do is play cricket. I was like, <laughs> I was like uh, what, a, what a fabulous kind of opportunity for someone like him. You know, he's young and he's got his family is obviously – <laughs> um, really invested in the game, and you know he seems really confident in himself. I, I want to get to know him, and I want to 
try and help him. I've got an 18 year old kid myself, you know, like, and here he is, he's going to be 18 years of age and he's going to be on a, on a tour for, uh, for England to, to Pakistan. So there's some real opportunities in there and there's, there's, there'll be some challenges along the way, but it's our job to be the best out of them. So hopefully we can do that over the next little while. And Baz, I, I'll give you a heads up. You know, he's got a brother who's a little bit younger. Well, he told me he's better. Well, the reason why he ended up bowling leg spin, I think, because his brother bowls outstanding off spin. So I reckon in the next five, if you're going to stay with the England coach uh, for the next five years, it wouldn't surprise me if you had two brothers playing for the England side together as spin twins. Well, he told me his older brother's better as well. well I haven't seen that one. I've only seen the younger one. <laughs> yeah, he's the left arm seamer. He sees a jet. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's taken up a scouting role. <laughs> When, when, when you took the England job, you know what I mean. What, what was going sort of through your mind? Because there was a little bit of sort of like, so it's a bit left field, wasn't it? You know what I mean. As it as it measured up to your expectations, or uh, you know, what, what what's it? How's it sort of like come over you? Or how are you finding it? You know what I mean. It's all been great, the results on the field, but have you been loving every minute of it as well? Yeah, well, I had a pretty good life beforehand, Toughers. You know, I was doing a couple of radio things. I was doing a little bit of commentary, a little bit of IPL coaching. I was having the odd rogue TV show with a couple of, you know, with a bit of a legend from over there in the UK. And I, was, I sort of I had a great gig, like proper gig. And I certainly wasn't chasing anything. Um, I didn't really want the job as such because I thought it was it was something which. Um, would be quite a big gig. But now I'm in the job. Honestly, I'm absolutely loving it. The opportunity to work with Stokesy is is something that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Like he is an incredible human being. He is a rare, rare talent that has come across our game. And and his vision for where this team wants to go is so aligned to how I like to see the game played. And I think we both see our, our role um, as trying to ensure that people want to go and watch us play, um, which is kind of cool. Results aside, I know we're judged by them, but from our point of view, we, we just want to put bums on seats and entertain people and, and try and see the best players that that are rocking around England, um, full of talent, realise some of that talent and, and entertain the world. On that, Baz, um, when you were interviewing for the job, to what extent did you sense that the conditions in English cricket were such that it would be receptive to your particular cricket philosophy um well i didn't really worry about it to be honest uh, sort of uh, <laughs> <laughs> show me to do the job then this is kind of how i live my life and this is kind of what i'm into and and if that works for you and that's what you're after then sweet as if it's not then that's cool too you know I'll go back to rocking around the old the other circuit that i was doing but you know yeah, it was it was a good process to go through, and I enjoyed it. And and if they had have chosen, if you know Rob Key and and the other other um, group of people had have chosen someone else, then that's cool too. But you know, I've always been very authentic with how I like to sort of go about things. And you know, if it, if it works for you, then cool. If it doesn't, then that's that's sweet as to. How do you, how do you define your style of coaching? You've talked about letting the players be themselves. But it can't be quite as simple as that, can it? Or is it? And and if it is, why why haven't other coaches found it so difficult? Well, I don't really know what my style is, really. I, I'm not really sure I'm a coach either. I don't really know. I sort of, you know, kind of, I like to 
I look at it as what it used to be like being a player and what would you like from the people who are running the kind of structure at the time and, and you look at some things and a lot of the time you would probably, I think players are right um, and sometimes you kind of go, oh, you know what, we need a little bit of a, not firmer hand, but we need someone to just tell us what, what we need to do in this situation. It might be more of a pressure situation. It's kind of like, right, this is what we signed off on, lads. Let's, let's go and have a crack. You know, this is what you've all agreed. So let's, <laughs> let's do it um, and sort of remain on task. But I don't really know. I'm sort of feeling it out myself, to be honest. Um, I just try and turn up every day and be consistent with the guys. And I just want to see them be as, as good a players as what, their talent suggests. One thing I have noticed since I've been in the England job, um, I, I thought England players were good. I didn't realise that they were as good as what they are. And that's not just talking about the current crop, but it's also talking about the crop which falls underneath as well, which I've been lucky enough to see over here in Abu Dhabi. Um, and also um, when, we played down in, uh, when the Lions played down in Canterbury, there is some serious skill which is operating around English cricket and I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure we realise how good it is. Um, I've been lucky enough to sit on the outside. So, you know, I've seen it and now, oh, sorry, I've, I've guessed it. And now that I've seen it, um, it is, you know, skill is not a problem in English cricket. It's about how we unlock that skill. So the language that we talk and the environment that we create allows those players to become the best possible players they can be in the shortest period of time. And, and that's what our job is. Baz, do you think that we're on the sort of a cusp of sort of a, a big change in test cricket? Do you think, you know, the way people are going to look at it, view at it? Because it was sort of, it was under pressure, wasn't it, test cricket? It's a bit boring and what have you. Do you think all the other sides now are going to buy into this sort of way of playing it? I, I'm loath to say Baz Ball. I know you don't like it, mate. But do you think that sort of test cricket is going to become a different animal now? Uh, I hope so, toughest, you know, like. I mean, you guys have played the game a lot. You've spent a lot of your life sort of committed to the the beauty of Test cricket and, and committing to everything that comes with it. Uh, I was lucky enough to play over 100 Tests for New Zealand. And and whilst I, I had a great life playing T20 cricket and short version cricket around the world, for me, Test cricket was always the pinnacle. And I remember doing a, a speech at Lords a few years ago and, it was about where's the direction of test cricket uh, going. And I remember saying, like, exactly that, that I love it and it's to me it's the pinnacle of the game, but enjoy it while it lasts because it's a dying sport. Um, and that, I guess, for me was one of the, the real important aspects of taking this job on is there's only one team in the world, in my opinion, that can that can ensure that test cricket not, not just – survives but also thrives and that's England because of the not just the resource but the fan base the history that follows the game you know you you look at this year and every every test match pretty much was sold out and there's so much following for for the game um and so our opportunity and what's in front of us is we have an opportunity now to to be able to say test cricket can survive and it can thrive for, for who knows how long um, and, and it can entertain people and it can encourage the next group of people, the next group of cricketers out there to stay committed to playing 
uh, a, a form of long version cricket as well. And, and that's kind of what our brief is and that's kind of why you take on a role that you've taken on. And you know, I feel very privileged to be in that position. It comes with a lot of pressure, no doubt. Um, uh, and, and that's exactly what the skipper and I both think is we have a chance here to get people to fall, not fall in love with Test Creek because there's already a lot of people in love with it, but the next generation to understand Test Cricket and to fall in love with it and to want to come and watch us. And, and that's kind of what we're, we're trying to achieve. I have to say, I, I, I love this uh, approach that you've brought. It's, it's refreshing. It's, it, it gets you excited about arriving at the game. I mean, um, for such a long time in Test Cricket in the UK, we were a little bit timid and not too sure how we're going to play. We now arrive knowing exactly the start of cricket that England are going to play. And, and I, I do think you will get other teams trying to follow suit. Um, I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket, not just English cricket. And I'm going to give you the chance to try and give a vision of where test cricket can improve globally. And what are you going to do to do that? It doesn't sound like a job I'm that interested in, to be honest, for <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to pay you a lot of money. I'm going to give you a load of horses. I'm going to allow you to buy as many horses as you want. You can have them racing all the way around the world at the end of it, but you're in charge of world particularly test cricket, what are you going to do with it? Oh, dear. Good luck with that one. Um, look, I, I think... Finish earlier. I, <laughs> I think... I actually really think cricket's in a really <laughs> fascinating space at the moment. I think the way that the game's going, I think we're going to see a real uh, emergence of sort of domestic T20 cricket. Um, I think we'll see players who will end up being contracted by um, franchises around the world because not just because of the money which is on offer, but there's there's so much less red tape <laughs> associated with privatised franchises that you can just take care of things and people can, you know, you can, you make things happen quickly. Um, very similar to football, I guess, you know, you, you kind of, you can be secure in what you're doing, you can have long-term deals um, and then, perhaps being released to play international cricket when the time's right, whether that's World Cups, whether that's uh, Test cricket. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think Keezy said the other day that we have to move with the times as well and make sure that we, we are understanding of what players' um, opportunities are out there. And I, I couldn't agree more because the opportunities are so great and ultimately, you know, people have got – they need to look after their families and they need they – need, to ensure that their careers are successful long-term as well. So I get all that stuff, but I just want them to ideally be desperate to play Test Cricket. Uh, it is a game, and you guys know it better than me, you know, but it is just, it is the best form of cricket. What it, the, the journey it takes you on, the, the novel that Test Cricket is, is so great that if we ever lost that, then, then to me the game becomes just another game. Um, and so I think embrace T20 cricket, embrace franchise cricket, but try and do what you can to ensure that the, the purest form of the game survives. A quick question about baseball. Phil said you don't like the term. Why, why don't you like the term? Do you not like it because it's, you think it's too simplistic or because it puts the focus on you rather than the players or both? Well, it's just like, it's, like the media <laughs> came out with it. <laughs> <laughs> like 
it just doesn't make any sense. Like Stokesy is Stokesy. Like, is there anyone who has encapsulated a style of play more so than our skipper? You know what I mean? Like he's run down the wicket first ball in Test cricket. So to me, it, it's not. It's also a little bit misunderstood. I think. Like, well, it's not misunderstood. I don't want to be. You know, we're going to be really careful that. You know, what we've been able to achieve over the summer, we've got to be really careful that we're not trying to preach it as well because everyone develops in their own their own way and their own time and and their skills develop at different stages and, and people get it at different points. But all we're trying to do is just make Test Cricket entertaining. We want to free guys up so that their talent comes through. Um, and, look, both the skipper and myself, we hate losing. Like, hate losing, but you can accept losing because you're trying to entertain you're trying like you're risking winning uh, you're risking losing to try and achieve something that you walk away as a fan and you say you know what I've had a great day I've had an absolute great day we got beat but gee I've had a great day and that ultimately like that that's what you're trying to achieve right it's like watching a movie you sit there and you got all the big actors if it doesn't grab you then sort of it's, it's kind of pointless. But from our point of view, at least we're going to fire some shots and we're going to, we're going to try and achieve it. Um, and if we don't, well, that's okay too. Just on, on that style of cricket, which is great, you go to Pakistan and, and traditionally, historically, um, attritional cricket has worked in Pakistan as well. Are you the kind of team that's just going to go and play this ex- that kind of expansive way all the time, or are you going to try and adapt to the conditions potentially that you might find in Pakistan? Yeah, I think that's a really good question as well, Vaughn, because we don't really know the conditions, but if you look at the the sort of last few series which have been over there, um, it has been that sort of attritional type of cricket. Um, we've got a little bit of mail that the conditions might be slightly different, but we'll wait and see. And, and hence our whole preparation has been just – get yourself ready and we'll work it out once we get over there. But I think, like again, like if we go back to the mantra throughout the summer and we look at some examples of of the summer and everyone points to, you know, Johnny Bairstow smoking it everywhere and Stokesy running down the wicket and, you know, sort of Ollie Pope dancing down the track or and Joe Root sort of playing reverse sweeps and all that. But one of the real things we're trying to encourage is just if you're totally present in the moment and you're prepared to identify when the moment is that you have to absorb pressure and the moment is that you have to reapply pressure back on the opposition, then you give yourself the best chance. So let's see what happens in in Pakistan. Um, from my point of view, I think the Test Series will be really close. I think there'll be some really key moments, which if we are present in those moments um, and we're open-minded about what we're trying to achieve, but we have a positive mindset going into it and we're prepared to take the positive option when that that moment arises, then that'll give us our best option as well. Um, I look back on the summer, we won six out of seven test matches. We could have lost all seven because every test had a really key moment or two, but we were brave enough and we were courageous enough in those moments to, and we are smart enough as well to identify it and be positive. And that'll be the real test, won't it? Because uh, as you say, you've had a really great summer. There will come a time where you string a few losses together and it will be sort of maintaining this attitude and the feel-good attitude in the changing room 
through the losses as well will be the real next test, I assume. That's so English, eh? There'll be a there'll be a string of losses, like well, just on the law of averages. <laughs> You're never going to lose again? Well, no. We'll deal with that when their time comes, but this is such an English comment. Let's see what happens. You know, we'll All have right. a crack. And if we lose, then we'll deal with it in that point in time. But from our point of view, we just like we lost that test match against South Africa, right? And I remember walking into the, the media stuff at the time and it was like, I, you know, baseball was always going to fail. It's like, for a start, why are you even calling it that? And then it was like, <laughs> oh, this guy can't do this and this guy can't do that. And I'm like, we got beat. We lost a toss on an absolute snake pit and we got beat. And I'm like, unlucky. We're not entertained. <laughs> it was a good game. They played well. South Africa were too good for us, you know, like respect to them. Um, and and that's kind of what the competition is, right? And if, if that stuff happens and then Soviet will deal with it at the time, the good the thing I know is that these guys are they're a tight knit unit and I'm not just talking about the current group of players that we've had have, but also the next sort of group as well, which we've been lucky enough to spend some time with over here. And and if we can force them together and push them, like their talent is so good that we'll get the best out of them and we'll be able to bounce back when the time time matters. And I think that's to me, that's a really important thing. It's just you have a resilient environment that that is not. I can't. I, I can't move with the wind if that makes sense. You just gotta. Yeah. Like, we believe in what we're doing. There'll be times where we get beat, where we play well. And that's okay. We just get up and we go again, and we and we have another crack at it. As, as, as much as we used to try and score a few runs, we all know to win test matches you need to get twenty wickets. How excited was it for you as a coach to see Joffre Archer back bowling this week? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. To be honest, for me. I, I watched him bowl this morning and I was just, yeah. I mean, he is an incredible talent, right? Like he is, <laughs> like not only has he had to go through some hardship over the last little while, but you know, he's been there, he's done it. He could have easily just said, you know what, I'll go and do what's easy, which is go and do franchise cricket around the world. But he's desperate to represent England and and win Ashes series and win Test matches for England and and make everyone proud. So it was it was really exciting to be honest, and you know it was great to have him around the group. And he's he's really buzzing and and the guys love having him around too. You know he's got something really really special. Um, and his skill and his his experience and and his personality rubs off on those other guys as well. Um, so, you know, yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty awesome, to be honest. Baz, does that mean that you, you, you've now got to sort of start looking at workloads? And I've been, you know, reading in the papers and what have you about he wants to play all forms of cricket for England and everything. Is that a, is that a hardship? Or do you just say, you know, listen, just play, 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 play until something happens? Or do you have to then look into it a little bit deeper than that? And is that is that a problem for you? Because we, we love hearing you talk about just go out there and express yourself and everything, but these guys do need to be looked after, don't they? Yeah, and, and Joff especially because of what he's gone through over the last little while, you know. I don't really understand all that science and medicine sort of carry on, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's – you follow you follow the experts, and there's some good people involved in English cricket who who are 
you know, they're making those kind of decisions and make sure that they're going to look after him. And Joff's very much across that stuff as well. Um, there's a good plan set in place for him, which allows him to play some other cricket around the world um, leading into uh, the Ashes as well. Um, and all going well. Um, hopefully he'll be he'll be available and he'll be he'll be ready to go. But you know, the temptation is to try and rush him. Yeah. Um, but you just gotta you gotta look at to me. You, you look at Joff and you say, right, where do you want him to be in thirty years' time? You know, <laughs> like, what do you what do you what do you want him to do? You don't want to try and rush it now and just selfishly get him to a stage where. You know, you just you want him to perform. You've got to look after the person as well, and and he's got things that he needs to achieve in the next little while, and hopefully that'll give him the longest period of of his career to be successful and set himself up for for the rest of his life. Uh, Baz, just um, we're about what eight nine months away from an Ashes series. Um, you know, it's going to be your first as a, an England coach. Um, when you look over to Australia and you see, you know, Justin Langer upsetting a few with a few comments about the players. Um, do you read those kind of comments down to, oh, that's quite quite handy for us? Whereas you probably in the past thought it's quite amusing. It's quite handy to see that Australia going through a little bit of a... It looks to me like a lot of the old players are in the Langer camp and obviously the new breed of the the new players are, are, are obviously with Andrew McDonald. There's, there's something happening over there that you must be quite, uh, quite liking somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, uh, I sort of I do read some of that stuff, and and you watch what what's unfolding and all that. But and, unless you're on the inside, you don't really know, right? So you sort of you just. I expect that when we come Ashes time, which is in a period of time, we've got a few other series to focus on for now. Um, it'll be a very tight series, so maybe we'll, just, we'll hold on to some of that stuff until then. I reckon. Mm, white words. Nice straight back for the first time in your career there, Bat. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you were going to come dancing down like you did in Wellington. don't know if you've heard the podcast before, uh, Brendan, but we have a segment where Phil does a series of either-or questions. Uh, oh, so right. I think he's 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 been preparing long and hard, especially for you uh, come on, on these. So come on, Phil. Okay, then. There are, some of them are a little bit ticklish, but I want, I want good, honest answers, which I know I'm always going to get from you, Baz. What would be your perfect day? A day on the golf course or a day at the racetrack? Why can't you do both? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, e- it's either or. The game, it's either or. All right. Uh, I'd say golf course because I'd end up punting at home that night. Okay, lovely. Next one. Average or strike rate? Strike rate. That's a dumb question, Toughest. Come on, Cat. <laughs> You've been in that. <laughs> right, next one. Here we go. Scoring the fastest ever test century or keeping Dan Carter out of your high school rugby team? I mean, wow, that is something. Well, they both are. <laughs> hmm. Fastest test century because I was... Mm. I had 50 of my mates there that day, and it was a hell of a night the night before, too. I, I remember you talking about that, Baz, that, that fastest hundred when we did our what well, we did our TV show, and you said you went out there and it was zipping around so much that you thought, if I try and get stuck in here, I'm just going to nick off. So you just decided to tee off, didn't you? Well, I watched Kane Williamson 
who, in my mind, had the greatest defensive technique in world cricket, get seven off 70 balls. Um, and I was like, there is no chance I can score a run out there if I'm trying to defend. So I'm just going to swing for the hills. So I batted outside leg stump. And I was like, I'm just going to cut anything on off stump. And if it's pitched up, I'm going to swing as hard as I can. And that's and I got lucky. I left it in the I left it in the hand of the cricketing gods. Talking about Kane Williamson, I'm going to put you in a tricky position here now, mate. Kane Williamson or Joe Root, and you can't have both. There you go. Oh. Sorry, mate, but you've got to take that. Is a tough question, <laughs> eh? I didn't realise it was so hard hitting this podcast. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> um, I'm going to say Joe Root. And there's one, there's one, there's one definitive factor, okay, in that, and that that's that he played a reverse lap in a test match, which went for six. So it's like he gets my vote. Good answer. The last one, okay, being thrown out of an aeroplane over Lake Taupo, <laughs> or, <laughs> or doing the highest. Bungee jump in the southern hemisphere in Queenstown, which I both did and you bloody didn't. I'm so sorry. Like, I feel so bad about that, you know. Like, we had a great time together, but it was just, you know, I mean, you, Dawn said to me that I had to make sure that you enjoyed all of the setup which, uh, which we had to offer. But I think I would go for an aeroplane because you said to me that was a great experience. It was. Whereas the bungee jump, oh. like, you look terrified. <laughs> I actually thought you may have shat yourself. <laughs> I, think a bit, I think a bit did come out, actually, but it was great fun. I love it. <laughs> No reason to apologise. If Phil had been better at golf, he wouldn't have had to do either. Correct. Well, he actually beat me at golf as well. We just manufactured it, didn't we? So, I mean, yeah, we'd, we had to make sure that he, you know, he had to do all those fun activities. <laughs> Blimey, that was pretty impressive, wasn't it, Mike? I mean, that's uh, not not the your usual persona for a coach. Have you ever come anybody in your playing career? Do you ever come across anybody who talked like that, sounded like that? Um, oh, I, you know, he's very impressive, and, and there's there's you know, been some uh, great people of the game of cricket over the generations, but I think Baz McCullum's up there with the best. You know, I think he uh, kind of just comes across as just being a good guy, very positive guy. Um, you know, I think it was a, a year or so ago when he got the role, um, and I, I was a bit circumspect about him because I thought, oh, wait a minute, him and Ben together could be a little bit chaotic. Wasn't quite sure about Baz and Test cricket coaching. Did he really want to do it? Uh, he alluded to himself of why you know he didn't need to do this role, but the combination that those two have created very very quickly inside seven matches is remarkable. You know, and the the, the kind of joy of wanting to for us all to watch Test cricket and, and watch them in the summer was great. But going to Pakistan, you, you get a sense that they're going to have a good go again. You get a sense that they're not going to suddenly go. Oh, we'll try and play attritionally and try and wear the, the Pakistani players down. I think they'll try and play aggressively. Uh, I I actually love the fact that he, he called off day three of the warm up game because yeah, yeah. I, I like people and because you know, history is irrelevant. History, what's gone in the past is irrelevant when you're in the here and now. 
You know, I think what he's trying to do is say to to this group of England players, and you've got to remember, a lot of these players have played in the England teams of the past where, you know, particularly the last test team, you know, which went through COVID times, it wasn't easy, but they were quite a hard watch because we were never sure how they wanted to play and we were never sure how they wanted to be. Now, the most impressed that I've been in, in terms of the way that they've played has been obviously flamboyant, great, but it's the fact that he seems to have got Jimmy Anderson almost smiling, <laughs> smiling <laughs> yeah. playing test cricket. And Stuart Broad excited about, these are the guys at the end of their careers and have been through, you know, two generations of playing test match cricket. And they've played a style of cricket that's been very attritional and, and, and wearing, the, wearing the opposition down. And for Baz McCullum and Ben Stokes to almost say, look, we're just going to have a right good go. And we're going to have a right, and we're, we're going to have a good laugh doing it. Now, it looks like a set of players and a group of individuals and a group of management. You know what, Phil? I'd love to be in this setup. You know, as ex-players, I only ever get jealous when I look into an environment and think I would want, and, and I, look, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked into the England environment in Test Creek for a long time and thought I want to be a part of it. I've always watched it and looked at it and gone, God, it looks a bit dull. Well, this environment, I go, I want to be a part of this little group. On to some of the specifics for this Pakistan tour. We are going to have to talk about openers again because that's still uh, a big question mark. Do you think Duckett's done enough to earn a shot? Uh, Duckett, I think yes. I think yes. Looks to play the sweep shots, looks to play spin. I can remember that he he didn't have a great tour in India, did he? I think he just kept sort of, um, you know, Mm. Ashwin just kept knocking him over. But I think he's he's adapted his game. He's that kind of guy. As a spin bowler on flat decks, you want guys, you know, as a spin bowler hitting you into your field. I think that the likes of Duckett, he can he can play reverse laps. He can sweep in front of the square. He can he can paddle it around the corner. He looks to play a lot of sort of cross bat shots. So long as he gets himself on in on those Pakistan tracks, I think he's a tricky bowler, a, a tricky batsman. To, to bowl that for a spinner. So I think he will get a go, yes. And Mike, what do you think Livingston is um, second spinner? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think they're going to react to the, the, the conditions. But yeah, I think Livingston will play. Um, I actually think he's going to play quite a lot of test cricket in the future. Yeah. You know, it, with, with, with Baz McCullum, Ben Stokes, I just think Liam's almost like the perfect style cricketer for them. You know, Will Jacks is exactly the same there. They're cricketers that if you got them batting at seven or eight in Test cricket, um, you look at Liam Livingston's first-class record. It's, it's better than most players that have been picked over the last few years. He's technically quite good, and obviously he's an aggressor. He can bowl off spin, leg spin. I don't think his spin will, you know, rip up any trees. I don't think he'll be getting six and sevenfers, but I think he'll contribute. If England get runs on the board and he gets to days four and five, then there's a bit of rough for him to bowl into, you know, I think he can get, you know, some, some nice handy wickets. He's a good fielder and he, he just looks the kind of cricketer that he's almost stumbled across the test team at exactly the right time because he's got two perfect style characters running the side. Will Jacks will be excited as well, whether he'll play in the test series, we'll have to wait and see. They pick Rian Ahmed, 18 years old. From Leicester, do you think he'll play? He'll play. He'll play in this tour. Do you? Think? I think he will. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance that he might do. Yeah. I think there is a chance, especially in the second and the third test. Just going back to Livingston a little bit. There again, as a spin bowler on flat decks that aren't doing too much, I don't want to see Liam Livingston coming stomping to the crease. That was exactly what I was thinking. I mean, if you're the opposition, you've got six wickets down, and out of the pavilion appears Livingston. 
That's it's a nightmare. Isn't Absolutely, it? but the likes of Livingston and and the likes of Duckett, they must have they they just got to get their tempo right in Pakistan. You've got to get yourself in, as you say. You've got to have that technique, yeah. Mike. You always say this that you've got twenty balls. You've got to get past that first twenty balls. You can't go running down the pitch because some you know Test match cricket is different. You've got to get yourself in, get yourself to ten or fifteen, and then look to start putting on the gas. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I think that they'll be talking about that, about how to craft their innings is, but crikey O'Reilly, it's a bit like a Gilchrist coming mm. in. It's a bit like a Gilchrist coming, stomping down the steps of the Oval. Mm. But I do, I do reckon, Phil, uh, 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 yeah, of all the teams you play against, I reckon the hardest team to get in against is Pakistan. Absolutely, especially early on. Your first 20 odd balls against Pakistan, they can be a nightmare because they, they just up the tempo. As soon as they get one wicket, the crowd get excited, they get excited, and suddenly you'll be facing balls that coming down from the seamers at six, seven miles an hour quicker than their average. They just kind of, um, you know, they put the the tempo up somewhat. So that, that's an absolute. The, the worry for England on this tour is 20 wickets. In the summer, they did great, they got 20 wickets, the pitches were pretty flat, and England just worked away in a system. But in Pakistan, the wickets can be flat, and generally you need pacing, but I haven't got any. You know, Wood's not playing the first game. Joffrey's injured. Ollie Stone's not around. So I don't see the pace element in the England side. And they don't have a, a, a world-class mystery or a, a world-class spinner. They are very good orthodox spinners. But in Pakistan, if you look at the way that they've been beaten at home, Australia beat them with pace. Yeah. You know, the likes of Mitchell Stark, Cummings bowling quickly. You know, England don't have, they have Anderson, they have Ollie Robinson. Hopefully Wood will play a part during the back end of the series. But I'll be very interested to see what tactics Ben Stokes and Baz can create to put doubt in the Pakistani batters' yeah. minds on flat wickets. And there might be movement on days one and two, because I believe there's a bit of grass, but there will be times where it's flat. Yeah. And how are England going to get the wickets? Yeah. Um, one thing we should mention is Ben Stokes, who um, has said he's going to donate his match fees to the Pakistan flood appeal. Uh, he tweeted out, the game has given me a lot in my life. I feel it's only right to give something back that goes far beyond cricket, which is uh, obviously an amazing gesture. Um, we'll leave a link to donate uh, to that cause in the show notes if you want to make a donation yourself. One other news story we should mention before we go, um, and that was uh, that there's been an approach to English cricket from a private equity firm called Bridgepoint Group. Uh, who, uh, according to the reports, are offering $400 million for a 75% stake in the 100, which is uh, a massive deal and uh, could really change the landscape of English cricket, Mike. I, I think there is a possibility that may happen in the future. Um, I, I just wonder whether the ECB need that kind of number to be um, sent around at the minute because the pressure that they're getting put under by counties about the you know, the kind of structure of the game and the ECB obviously need the 100 to work. Um, the story was broken by Sky, who need the 100 to work. Um, <laughs> so I'm a little bit sceptical of the timing at a time where all the county chairmans are probably having a pop at the ECB for how much the 100 spent. And then suddenly there's a, there's a story that breaks that someone's willing to pay 400 or 300 million for 75%. Um, I, I do think it will get sold in, in time, but I don't think this is the right time to be selling anything if you don't have to. But yeah. um, I think it may have been a story that was to maybe shut up a few county chairmans or chair people around the uh, the county game who have not quite been um, 
forthcoming in supporting the hundred, would I say? I have to say, I love your cynicism, Mike. You'd, you'd make a good journalist. Having said that, though, it's a good number. It's a good number, whether whether it's uh, right, wrong, or not. Uh, it's a lot of money. <laughs> Phil, 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 let me say, it's worth 300 million for 75% now on the back of two seasons, yeah. and particularly this season where it wasn't it wasn't quite as as powerful, we all felt, as the first season. Um, just wait a couple of years if it really does start to fly a bit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe Bridgepoint feel that they may have a bargain at that price, so uh, I wouldn't be selling anything at the minute. Yeah, well, it's also like all assets at the moment are a little bit depressed, so uh, you, you want to wait until... Uh... We shake off the recession. Right, that's it for today on the Vaughan and Toughest Cricket Club. A huge thanks to England head coach Brendan McCullum for his time and to Mike and Phil too. A reminder that if you have any feedback for us, it's much appreciated. The address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk and we're very keen to hear from you. If you're new to the Vaughan and Toughest Cricket Club, our channel is full of past episodes with star-studded names, the likes of Joe Root, Trent Bolt and Wazzy Akram to name just a few. You can head over there and catch up on those episodes. Until next week, goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,